we're continuing on in, in Genesis, and uh, I, I entitled this, Here We Go Again. So uh, I, I, I really like quotes, and sometimes you have a hard time finding out who, who actually used them. Winston Churchill in 1948 said, Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Now I want you to think about Winston Churchill's perspective. He was there in World War I, which was not called World War I because we hadn't had number two yet, right? It was the Great War, and it was called the War to End All Wars. And here some 20 years later, Winston Churchill leads England through another world war. It's over three years after it's over. He makes this quote, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And the world seems to be like that. But aren't we like that? I know I am. You know, we get into, you know, we, we, we get going down life and, and you know, we, we, we hit a, you know, something happens and, and, you know, we sin and we fail God and we're kind of like going, I'm, I'm sorry, God. And then, then not too long later, something comes up, same type of thing. Oh, God, I failed you again. And we can get into that pattern of failing. And we're going to see how Abraham and Sarah fell into that pattern one more time. And uh, another quote that I like is from Albert Einstein. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Right? Yeah, guys can relate to... You know, oh, well, let's just turn the car over about 14 more times and see if it, see if it starts this time, right? We, we can get ourselves stuck into a pattern, a pattern of failure, and then we try it again, and guess what? It doesn't work again. <clears throat> so as we look at Genesis chapter 20 and 21 today, I want us to really pay attention to what's happening with Abraham and Sarah. And maybe we need to ask ourselves those same questions. Why did Abraham fall into this pattern? So Genesis chapter 20, and we're only going to start by reading the first two verses because we only get two verses in before Abraham does. Oops. <clears throat> so Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Now Abraham journeyed from there towards the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh, Sur and, Kadesh and Shur. And then he sojourned in Gier. And Abraham said to Sarah his wife, she is my, said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, Gerar sent and took Sarah. Oops. Now, didn't we just see this in Egypt? Didn't 20, 20 some years ago, <clears throat> they went down to Egypt? And, and the same conversation? Sarah, you're beautiful. Now, I, this is the, one of the things that kind of captivates me. She's 89 years old. And yet she is still so beautiful that, that, Abimelech wants to take her into his harem. What an amazing woman Sarah must have been. And, and 
But Abraham falls into this thing. Tell him you're my sister. You know, and, I, and sometimes I have a hard time understanding. I mean, here's Abraham that God has blessed and protected and all of these things that God has done for him, and yet he can't trust God with Sarah. He can't trust God to say, God will protect Sarah for you. Don't forget, not less than a year before, less than nine months before, he, he talked with God and God said, Sarah's going to be the one that's going to give you Isaac. And yet already he's forgotten that God has promised to bless Sarah. Sarah's going to be the mother of many nations. Sarah's going to be the mother of kings. She's going to be the one who had it. But he can't trust God with Sarah. Do any of us have, have some of those things in our lives that we just... God, I, I really trust you, I really trust you, I really trust you, but not with my bank account. Not with my 401k. Not with my 1957 T-Bird. Or my Harley Davidson. We all have those places where we get a little bit blind and we can't fully give it to God and say, God, I trust you. To protect this one, this thing, whatever you have, we, we fail to that. And, and when we fall into the sin, it's kind of interesting why. And Hebrews 12, 1, uh, I want you to, th- there's a piece in the middle of it that I think is important for us. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. Well, encumbrances are pretty easy to lay aside. They're things that drag you down. They're things that hold you back. And, and most people are pretty good at laying aside the encumbrance. But listen to this next part. And the sin which so easily entangles us. What it, it's that thing that just has a hold of us and we can't quite let it go. The sin that entangles us and how, how do we get past it? And, and Abraham is, is struggling with this thing with Sarah and saying, well, God, I, I can't really trust you, so Sarah, just lie for me. Well, I want you to understand that when we do that, when we sin, a lot of times we think, oh, sin only affects me. But I want you to think about how this affected the people around him. Our sin affects others. It always will. Even when we think that, oh, it's just, you know, it's this secret little thing that's going on. Who did this affect? Well, what about Sarah? Here's Sarah going about her life. She's, she's been with Abraham for all of these years. She has all of these servants that, that, and then all of a sudden, she's taken out, put into a, a Philistine harem, and, and she's like, like, Abraham, why did, you, why, did, why did you tell me to do this? It affects Sarah greatly. She's, she's now separated from all that she knows. She's separated from Abraham. She's separated from all of those that she loves. And she's, she has to be wondering, well, God, how in the world am I going to fulfill the promise you gave us of having Isaac so that we can 
have this, the, the, the people of, of Israel, how is that going to happen if I'm over here in Abimelech's harem? But also, it affected Abimelech. Look at verse 9. Uh, so I, I'm going to just fill in a little bit here before we get. So Abimelech has a dream from God and he says, you know what? You're a dead man because you took another man's wife. And he's like, oh, wait a second. I didn't know. Are you going to kill me? I'm innocent. You're going to kill me? He told me it was a sister. And so Abimelech now goes back after having this dream with God and he goes back. In verse 9 he says, Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, Why, what have you done to us? How have I sinned against you that you brought me on and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done, done to me things that ought not to be done. And in verse 18, look at the effect that it had, not just on Abimelech, but in verse 18, And the Lord had closed fast, all the wounds of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abram's wife. You see, when we sin, it affects other people. You, let's turn over to Jonah real quick. Jonah, that's in the white pages. So, so you know, go to Daniel, go to kind of the middle, find Daniel, and then hang a right, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. And we remember the story of Jonah. What was Jonah doing? He was running away from God. God told him, you're going to go preach. He says, I don't want to go preach. I don't like the Ninevites. They're terrible people. They're nasty. I don't want to go. And so he goes and climbs in a ship. And off they go across the, the, the sea. And in, uh, in Jonah 1... Starting in verse 4, it says this. And the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. And then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw cargo, which was in the ship, into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down below in the hold of the ship and lain down and fallen asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. And each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry ground. Wow, would you be a little bit afraid if you had offended the God of the sea and you're in the middle of a boat in the middle of a storm? They should have been. But I want you to see all the people that that sin affected for Jonah. It, it, they tossed over all the cargo. Here's all these businessmen that had, that had sent all of their stuff on that boat to go over to the other side. It's all gone. And I don't think they had Lloyd's of London back in those days to pay for their 
insurance on their, their goods. They lost all their goods. I mean, here's the captain of the ship. They're throwing everything overboard. Do you think it affected him? He just lost everything. He lost all of his livelihood because that's how he got paid. And then you have these sailors. They're fearing for their life. And where's Jonah? Asleep in the bottom of the boat. But it affected Jonah too because what did he get? He got to take, take a three-day all-expense submarine tour in the belly of a whale. Sin not only affects us, but it, sin, it affects other people. The sin also affects our relationship with God. It affects our relationship with God. If we are sinning, what happens? Psalm 66, 18 tells us, If I regard wickedness in my heart, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That communication that we need to have. I don't know about you, but if, if I'm not communicating with God on a regular basis, I'm lost. God, where do you want me to be? I want to be in the center of your will. If God's not hearing my prayer and answering my prayers, how in the world can I be in the center of God's will? It affects our relationship with God. Well, Abram has to answer for his sin. And he has to answer before Abimelech because Abimelech called him out. So let's go, let's go back to Genesis chapter 20. And let's see what happens when Abimelech confronts him. Genesis chapter 20 verse 10. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What have you encountered that you've done this thing? Why in the world would you do this? And Abraham said... Because I thought, surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And it came about when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is the kindness which you will show me. Everywhere we go, say to me, he is my brother. Wow. Wow. Do we justify our sin? Well, Adam, remember all the way back? The wife you gave me, gave me to eat. Well, Eve, well, the serpent, we try to justify our sin all the time. And that's, he's sitting here saying, I, didn't, I couldn't trust God enough to protect my family and besides, it's only half a lie. Do we, do we tend to tell those little bit of truth? Little bit of lie? Little bit of sin? Well, this isn't that bad. And that's where Abraham, he tries to justify his sin. Does that work very well with God? God says, hey, I'm calling you out. It doesn't work very well when we try to justify it. Why? Because God knows our hearts. Luke 16, 15 said, and he said to them, and he's talking to the Pharisees, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men. But God knows your hearts, for that which, he, which is highly esteemed among you men 
is detestable in the sight of God. You see, God has a standard that's here. Men may say, oh yeah, I'll let you off with this. God's standard's up here. For all have sinned, right, and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. That's God's standard. And God says, nope, down here men's standard doesn't work for me. In Psalms 44, 20 and 21, it says, If we have forgotten the name of our God or extended our hands to a strange idol, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of our heart. When we come to confession before God, we need to confess it all. We need to get it out to him and say, God, I'm sorry. I sinned. And then we need to really start on... Why, have I, why is this going over and over again? One of the reasons that we talk about scripture memory is so that we can take verses that apply to whatever that sin that entangles us. What is that sin, whether it's pride, whether it's, whether it's, it's a sin of indulgence, whatever it is, we need to use God's word so that we can overcome that. Well, moving on to Genesis chapter 21, uh, we see, now, remember, this has been 25 years in the making. God said 25 years ago, Abraham, I'm going to give you, make great descendants. You're going to have, you're going to have, you're going to bless all the families of the earth. And then he came back and he says, no, it's not through Ishmael. That was, that was your own mistake that you made. You need to own up for that. I'm going to do it through Isaac. And for all of this covenant that God has talked about, we would think there would be this big thing that says, He's here! But all we get is eight verses. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful eight verses. But chapter 21 says, And then the Lord took note of Sarah. Didn't come down. Didn't make a big deal about it. He took note of Sarah. As he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and born a son of Abraham in his old age at the appointed time which God had spoken to him. And God called the name of the son who was born to him from Sarah whom he bore Isaac. Remember what Isaac's name means? Laughter. He laughs. Laughter. And then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God has commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac, his son, was born to him. And Sarah has, God had made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in my old age, and the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. What a beautiful story that God gives us. God said, did what he said he would do when he said he would do it. You see, we can always count on God. We don't always know that when. But we, but we do know that God promised us to, t- to care for us, to, 
that we can count on him and he shows up at just the right time. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. The faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commands. Isn't that a wonderful promise? If we'll keep God's commands, he will not only bless us, but he's going to bless our kids and our kids' kids, and you can go right on down the line with that. He, God said he would do it, and he shows up right on time. But now we're going to turn. We, Abraham had his problem, right? Abraham couldn't trust Sarah to be safe, and so he lied. But Sarah had a problem. In chapter, in Genesis 21, verses 9 through 11. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. She couldn't even say his name, Ishmael, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. And therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid, her son, and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. And the matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. Boy, you talk about being in the middle of a hard place, right? Here's Sarah once again. What was her problem before? She had an attitude problem with Hagar. She despised Hagar because Hagar conceived when she couldn't. Now she says, Hagar, and here's Ishmael. Ishmael's 12, 13 years old at this point, right? And, and here's, you know, young Isaac comes along, and, and she knew what? What did Sarah knew? What did God tell Sarah? Isaac is going to be the line. Trust me. But she couldn't trust God with Isaac. You see the pattern? Just like Abraham couldn't trust Sarah, Sarah couldn't trust Isaac. And she couldn't trust God that Isaac was going to, she said, you got to protect him from Ishmael. Because Ishmael's picking on him. He's mocking him. And once again, there's a heart problem. Sarah's heart had not changed. You see, Sarah, yeah, for 13 years, she, when, when Hagar came back, she, she was in the tent. She was taking care of Ishmael. She, she applied herself there. But once there was, there was this competition, Sarah's heart went back to where it had always been. She said, I, I can't... I can't love Ishmael. He's, he's not my child. Her heart hadn't changed. But I want you to notice, if we look through, and this is a beautiful picture of God's protection. Abraham, God comes down to Abraham. He's all, remember he said he was distressed. And Abraham God comes in and says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of this problem. He says, you send her away. And once again, Hagar does what? She heads back towards Egypt. That's where she was from. She heads back towards Egypt and she runs out of water and she puts 
She puts Ishmael over here under a, under a bush, and she's over here a little ways away, and God comes down and he says, Hagar, remember the promise. I realize that God Almighty is not your God, but he is God, and I made a promise that Ishmael will be a great nation in and of himself. So you don't have to worry. Matter of fact, right over there where you can't see is a well. God provided a well for Hagar. And she takes her son and they go on. And it says, <clears throat> it says in verse uh, 19, and God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with the water and gave the lad a drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. And he lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. See, God said, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for Hagar and Ishmael. I made a promise. And, and you said, but, but she took a wife from Egypt. That's where she was from. God did not change who she was. God did not make her a worshiper of himself. But God said, I made a promise. And I'm going to keep that promise. And he protected and he provided for her. Well, we have this really interesting thing that happens right here. And once again, we don't get an idea of how long it is between the time that we see this little interaction with, with uh, Hagar, because we end right there in verse 21, and then we come to verse 22, and we, we're really not sure how many years have passed, but some time has passed, and then I want to read this, this little thing that goes on between Abraham and Abimelech. Now I'm going to ask you, if you were Abimelech, would you trust Abraham? Right? He's already shown, I'm willing to lie to save my bacon. So we have this really interesting thing that goes on here. So let's go to Genesis 21, start in 20, verses uh, 22. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Philcol, the commander of the army, spoke to Abraham. And said, God be with you in all that you do. Now therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or my prosperity, posterity, but according to the kindness that I have shown you, and you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. Hey, I can't trust you with my future, so I want you to swear before God. And Abraham says, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which his servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor did I hear from it until today. And it says, Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven hue lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abraham said, or Abimelech said to Abraham, What do these seven ewe lambs mean which you have set by themselves? 
And he says, you shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore he called the place Beersheba because the two of them took an oath. And so they made a covenant at Beersheba. And Abimelech and Philco and the commander of the army arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abram, Abraham planted a tamarack tree at Beersheba, and there it called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. There's a couple things I want you to pick out out of this. First of all, Abimelech knew Abraham's faults. He'd been lied to. And you know, I think a lot of times in the world, we as Christians will say, oh, I'm a Christian, you can trust me, I never mess up. I'm, I, matter of fact, I'm a saint, I'm a saint of God, right? A lot of times we don't own our own sin, and yet we expect the world to trust us. And, and obviously Abimelech's like going, I, I want more. I want you to give me your sworn oath that I can trust you. We, we, a lot of times we talk about 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteous, unrighteousness. I want you to look at the verses before and after. If we say that we have no sin... We are deceiving who? Ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now verse 10. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, we Abraham wanted everybody to think he was this really nice guy but he had a problem with telling the truth especially in foreign lands if we say we have no sin we're deceiving ourselves and and we need to be able to say to the world what i'm just a sinner saved by grace i mean we're all in the same boat when we go we're learning this year verses to lead people to Jesus, right? And one of the places it starts with, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? For, but, but then we go and it says, for who sinned? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. And if we can't put our play, our pers- ourselves in the same place as the person that we're talking to, we're never going to see them change. Because they're like, oh, well, you have the, you know, you've already accomplished all of this stuff. And, you know, you're a, you're a Christian. Well, come on back down to my house. You know. You need to know that, that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And if you think your pastor never sins, 
you're, you're looking at the wrong guy. Just ask my wife. She's sitting right there. Because she sees me every day. And she sees what a lot of people, you know, they'll say, oh, well, the pastor's always, he always dresses nice, and, you know, he smells good. Well, not necessarily that. But, you know, and he always, he pats my hand, and he prays with me. You know, the reality is, is that I'm a sinner just like you are. And Abraham needed to be confronted with that. Abraham needed to be confronted by Abimelech and saying, you know what, Abraham, you lied to me before. I want to make sure you're not going to lie to my kids in the future. The second thing I want want you to see is Abraham was generous to Abimelech. I mean, it says he cut out oxen and sheep. And then he does this thing. He has seven, seven little lamb ewes off here to the side. Now, the interesting thing about the, the word Beersheba, the name of this well, Beersheba, is it kind of has a twofold meaning. One, it means an oath has been taken because they, they made an oath. But that word Sheba also is a word for seven. Isn't that kind of a nice little play on words? The, so he set the seven sheep aside to buy that well so that nobody could say it wasn't his. He didn't have to pay for it. He had dug it. But he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... So when people say, oh, that's the well of seven. That's the seven sheep that, that Abraham gave that he didn't have to that he gave to Abimelech to show how much he, he wanted to be generous with him. Proverbs 22, 9 says, He who is generous will be blessed, and he who gives some of his food to the poor. And in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, it says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies all the things to enjoy, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. That's what God expects from us. And what happens if we do that? God gave Abraham favor with Abimelech. I want you to look at the very last verse of chapter 21. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. Sojourned. He was he could go anywhere he wanted. He didn't have to worry about the the Abimelech's troops coming down and and harassing his men as they carried their sheep. Proverbs 3 3 and 4 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. You see, we can get caught up in all kinds of sin. The sins that ensnare us, the sins that affect other people. But God can mend those relationships. 
God mended the relationship with Abimelech. God took the relationship with Sarah and removed that from her. She didn't have to worry about Ishmael anymore. And in the end, God can give us that peace. I, I love the, you know, when, when we come to the end of Abraham's life, and it says, and he lived a long time and slept with his fathers. What an amazing thing to look to the end of life and say, I've had a long life, and it's been good. It hasn't all been a blessing, but God's worked in all of it, and he's brought me favor in, in the sight of who? Not only God, but man. And I think one of the greatest ways that we see the favor between God and man is what Jesus did on the cross. Have you thought about the blessing that God bestowed on each one of us? How much favor we found in the eyes of God when he said, I'm going to send my son. He said, I'm going to send my, my only begotten son, my one and only, my Isaac. I'm going to send my Isaac, and we're going to see a wonderful, next week we're going to see this wonderful picture. He said, I'm going to send my Isaac to earth, and, I, and unlike Abraham, I'm not going to rescue my Isaac. He's going to go to the cross so that you can have favor. You can have favor, not just those who are believers, but to the whole world. Jesus didn't just die for, for you and me. He died for who? For the whole world. So that all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so as we come to communion... I want us to think about the favor that God shared with us on that day when Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood that is going to be poured out so that I can show favor to all mankind. Communion's in the center, in the back two corners, and right up here. If you would be kind enough to reach into the pew in front of you and use the hand sanitizer that's provided there so that we can do this as safely as possible. The cup is stacked with a uh, wafer at the bottom, juice at the top. If you'll just take that and go back to your seat and, and thank the Lord for the favor that he showed on all mankind when he died for us. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you gave us examples. Abraham, in the book of Hebrews, is called a man who loved God and it was accounted for him for righteousness, but he failed and I failed. We all fail. But you forgive us our sin once we come to you and, and ask for that forgiveness even when we do it over and over again. 
you meet us at the foot of the cross. You put your arm around us and you say, I know that you failed me, but the blood that I shed covers even this sin. Thank you. Thank you for loving us when we fail. And thank you for showing favor on us through the cross. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.